Hello, what is good? We are back with the Alcast after a several week hiatus. Season 2, episode 7. Got all kinds of sports news to break down with you guys. Lots of boxing on the books over the next couple months that we're going to talk about. Obviously, all kinds of NFL news going on lately. And some MMA. So, we are here. Ottawa Valley's number one football and fighting podcast. With your boy, Al Adams. A.K.A. King Alex. Find me on Instagram. That's King with a one. Then an underscore. Then Al. Alex, I should say. Spelt with a three instead of an E. Because you know these kids, they like when you substitute numbers with letters and letters with numbers. You can't just put the thing down as it is. Don't put the thing down as it is, man. You got to change it up every now and then, man. You got to show your originality with the usernames. Kind of makes me a little hard to find, I know, but let's just get into the show, shall we? Start with the boxing news going on. We've seen Bob Arum just come out and say today or yesterday, something like that. It's breaking news that um, the Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, or should I say Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight will be getting pushed back off its original December um, 31st date. I believe it was supposed to be on New Year's Eve and that... They're moving it because there's some NCAA games and some other sporting events that day, which I thought was kind of a bit of a sorry excuse. I think they're just waiting to potentially uh, put it in an arena where they can have fans, and it's not looking like they can do that in the States right now. And it's just a shame, you know, like these are two of the biggest sporting stars out of any sport in the world, and they can't get these guys um, a date. And Tyson Fury has been saying it for the last several weeks. And if you've been following him on social media, that he's just been chomping at the bit looking for a fight, you know. And um, he says he will be fighting in December, even if it's not Deontay Wilder. Give him AJ. Give him anyone in the heavyweight division. uh, How he's feeling right now. I just listened to his interview with IFL TV yesterday. Um, talking about him flying Sugar Hill as trainer for the Deontay Wilder, uh, Deontay Wilder fight out to Marbella where um, he lives and staying in the UK with him and uh, just watching how he trains and hearing how he talks now, it seems like he's in a good place mentally, a great place physically. And my early pick was already that Fury was going to easily run through him in the potential third fight. I didn't think Deontay Wilder should have taken that third fight even with the rematch clause um, unless he's taking it purely for financial reasons because I really can't see how he wins even though this is heavyweight boxing and he is the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division. I just think his style was exposed a little bit in that last fight once he got put on the back foot and um, Tyson Fury just dominated him from start to finish and uh put a beating on him really that we haven't ever seen usually Deontay Wilders used to be the intimidator and just kind of walking guys down and um cocking that right hand back and picking his spot as we've seen in so many of his fights 
a bit of a padded record, but I am a fan of Deontay, and uh, I'd like to see him get back in there with a guy like um, Dillian White or Dubois, uh, Joe Joyce. Um, those would all be interesting fights. I think he would lose to um, some of the more technical punchers like um, Anthony Joshua or uh, obviously Tyson Fury, Usyk could probably do him in. Well, we'll have to see how he does in the Chisora fight, which is a nice little segue onto that. As that is one of the next, probably the next biggest uh, heavyweight boxing fights on the calendar. I think scheduled for October thirty first, Halloween Day. We have um, pound for pound top five, top three in many people's books. Former undisputed cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk versus Derek War Chisora, formerly known as Derek Delboy Chisora, and uh, his first real test at heavyweight as he fought a last-minute replacement in his first heavyweight fight. Um, I think it made it to round seven or so before he got the finish. And Chisora, uh, what was his last fight anyways? Was he... It, it, couldn't have been that second Dillian White fight. It seems so long ago. Um, anyways, I can't come. It doesn't come to my mind right now what his last fight was. But you know his records. He's had a lot of ups and downs at heavyweight. A lot of the times, kind of uh, coming up short against top competition. And Usyk is probably the best. Yeah, yeah, up there of the guys that he's ever fought, especially technically. Is basically we're going to see can Usyk deal with the size of a real heavyweight and the pressure of uh, Derek Chisora. As you know, he just comes forward and he's trying to put it on you. And Usyk, he's got the movement. And um, in a recent interview with Dave Allen, I heard on IFL TV, shout out Coogan Cassius, always giving us the good content that uh, gives me a little to talk about on my podcast, that that Usyk moves around like a welterweight or a middleweight and that he's a very uh he's got a very interesting style he compared him to Tyson Fury actually uh Dave Allen did of Usyk and I thought that was interesting especially in their kind of um herky-jerky and independent styles where the, they just kind of go about doing things their own way which you can see of uh, Usyk on his social media, lots of uh, dancing in the ring, lots of unique um, training protocols similar to uh, Lomachenko, as I believe they share similar backgrounds and trainers and uh, training methods. He's the kind of almost the blown up version of Lomachenko in a lot of ways, even though he is his own boxer. Have you seen the first? Um, well, I guess I'll give you a pick for that. Um, I am picking Usyk to win that fight, and, but I could see it going the distance, even though it is heavyweight boxing and both guys do hit hard. I think it could be back and forth, but I see Usyk getting a unanimous decision in that fight. And here up north in Canada, where I'm at, um, just over across the way of the Ottawa Valley on the Quebec side, We've seen the announcement from Eye of the Tiger Management recently uh, that the first uh, Canadian boxing card since uh, this pandemic has been announced on October 10th with some interesting boxers. I believe uh, David Lemieux is on that card against uh, another 
middleweight contender up here and uh, what was the name Teget I believe something like that and so that's good to see I just wanted to give a quick blurb on that as for a long time I was paying attention to it it's like nothing on the books nothing on the books obviously small promoters are gonna have a harder time um, putting on a card with the purses and um, just all the regulations here in a lot of ways feel like Canada's regulations have been stricter than other countries, especially with putting on live events and um, sporting events. And you hate to see it because it's really affecting the sport in a negative way, not being able to put on small shows and uh, larger shows because we have so many great athletes up here just looking for an opportunity to build their name and trying to make a career for themselves in the sport. And you know, a lot of them are probably having to find second or third jobs just to um, maintain their training regimens and, um, you know, just provide for themselves and provide for their dream. And uh, all power to them and all power to the promoters being able to put on this card finally. And uh, hopefully it goes off without any hitches and support to any fighters on that card, man. More boxing news. We also seen the announcement for White Pavetkin 2. Uh, a lot of people are giving a little skeptical hippo eyes to Dillian White being able to turn around so quick for this. I believe it's an end of November card for the rematch with Pavetkin. And some questions as to whether his brain from that uh, brutal knockout will be fully recovered by then, even though he hadn't taken any real damage up till that knockout shot in the fight it was just a one-shot ko but there's of course the blow and his head hitting the canvas as well and um we've seen it before in the past where uh fighters have tried to turn around from a knockout a little too quick and it does seem like in the next fight their chin could be um susceptible a bit more susceptible and Honestly, if I had to pick in the rematch, just strictly due to this quicker turnaround, if maybe the fight was in December or something and he'd agreed to make it on that uh, Joshua Pulev undercard or something like that, I would pick Dillian White because he was dominating up until that point. But due to the quick turnaround and the nature of the knockout, I'm going to pick Alexander Povetkin to win this and uh, retain the WBC heavyweight title. And that's probably comes as a shocker to a lot of people because even though he'd lost the first fight, I still see um, many pick, people picking uh, Dillian White in this second fight. But, you know, you could say this and that about it, but he did pick that shot and he was looking for that shot. And Povetkin's a tricky character and has a lot more um, experience than Dillian White does. And he really showed it in that last fight. And... Uh, who's to say the same thing won't happen again, especially with uh, Dillian White maybe being a bit more susceptible to that knockout blow. And, you know, I could easily see Alexander Povetkin slipping that jab and ducking to the side again and maybe landing that exact same uppercut, which would be uh, really devastating to Dillian White's career. And um, we'd be interesting to see where both guys go from there. But it's one to look forward to. It's got a lot of interesting storylines around it. And hopefully they can build up the undercard as well, just as they did at the fight camp with some interesting matchups.
Another other boxing news in the lightweight division. We've seen a trifecta of fights get announced and uh, been on the docket for a while now. We've talked about some of them in the past, but they're getting a little closer now, so it's good to reiterate. We've seen um, Teofimo Lopez Lomachenko. That's on the books for October, I believe, and uh, that's starting to heat up now with Lopez talking all kinds of smack, and Lomachenko, as always, kind of... Uh, being the more elusive and uh, mysterious of the opponents. He seems to do most of his talking in the ring, uh, maybe due to the language barrier a little bit, but also that just seems to be his character. And uh, Lopez is doing the, the lifting on the promotion side of the of this matchup. And it's one that I'm looking for uh, an underdog bet on Lopez to see what the lines are like. But Honestly, it's hard to pick against Lomachenko, right? Uh, most people have him as pound for pound, the number one current active fighter in the sport, uh, as do I, based on his uh, performances in the past, as well as just his ability. I believe you scale him up through all the divisions. Uh, he'd beat just about anybody. And um, But yeah, it'd be just look where the lines are at and see what kind of odds are given Lopez if he's maybe like a, a five to one underdog or something like that. I, I'd, I might put a little action on Lopez just because Loma isn't getting any younger, you know, and father time is undefeated as uh, Teddy Atlas recently said. Well, many people say, but very true, especially in boxing as well as um, NFL wide receivers <laughs> and uh, most sports really. And another lightweight action just saw today on Twitter before I recorded this, actually, literally like 10 minutes ago or so. Um, Devin Haney versus Urioskis Gamboa was announced. Uh, Gamboa coming off that loss to Gervonta Davis. Uh, Devin Haney coming off a win on one of those DAZN undercards, I believe. And obviously, this is kind of the, the new school versus the old school type thing. Um, Gamboa already kind of starting to wind down from the peak of his career, I believe. Uh, great talent and in great power in the Cuban boxer. Uh, very, very good boxer, but I think Devin Haney is just in a different point in his career. Um, they're very trying to build him right now. This is kind of one of those typical fights where they, they put the young guy in versus the old vet who's got a name to try and build him up. And I think Devin Haney finishes that fight by the fifth or sixth round, I could see him getting the knockout there, just uh, waiting for a counter punch and catching Gamboa coming in, probably. And of course, we have uh, Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell, which I think is probably the most interesting and the closest to being a 50 50 matchup in all those fights, the toughest test of Ryan Garcia's career. And uh, Luke Campbell, obviously a great talent over in the UK, has been in there against Lomachenko and some talented boxers, and is a very technical and powerful guy himself. And my early pick is Ryan Garcia. Just the speed and the ability, and I don't know, there's something special about that kid, I think. And Luke Campbell is a great fighter, but I just maybe I haven't seen enough of him or um, what I've seen of him to date anyways uh, out of the few fights I've seen of his uh, I just don't think uh, 
like I said, it's one of those 50-50 fights. I almost hate picking this one, but that's why you listen to the podcast, right? You want to hear an opinion, and my, I just feel like Ryan Garcia wins. I feel like it'll be his toughest fight, like I said, and it could very well go the distance. I could see him winning a decision and maybe giving a couple rounds away to Luke based on his experience in ring craft. But yeah, I'd say Ryan Garcia, unanimous decision. I believe that uh, covers all the boxing news here on my list. Uh, stick with fighting, and we can talk about some MMA as well. Uh, seeing John Jones and Israel Adesanya's beef pick back up after this latest uh, dominant performance by Israel, his second round knockout of uh, or TKO of Paulo Costa in a fight where many people are giving Costa pretty good odds to beat Israel. Uh, he was a favorite just by a smidgen. And he made it look easy in there, didn't take any punches to the face, only kind of took a couple kicks to the body and legs, but looked clean as all get out to me and really showed his pedigree, his kickboxing pedigree in there and dominated him. And after that, he's in quarantine now, so you see him very active on social media, going at everybody who uh, counted him out in that fight, uh, going uh, back and forth with guys like John Jones and people who have kind of picked at him over the years. And he said in an interview with Errol Hawani yesterday, like, I got time today. And he's going to have time for the next two weeks. So it's going to be interesting, especially him saying that he'd like a fight by the end of the year. He doesn't want to be inactive like many of these other fighters. And this will make him one of the most active champs in uh, UFC history if he takes one more fight by the end of the year, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of people have moved him up in the pound-for-pound pound rankings after that last performance against Paulo. It's kind of washed the bad taste of that Yul Romero fight out of everyone's mouth, I'd say. And like he said uh, in the post-fight interval, y'all must have forgot. And uh, it's easy enough for me to say, actually, after John Jones' uh, performance with Dominic Reyes, where I think he lost in a narrow decision, even though he was awarded the decision, and some of his past performances recently, I believe John Jones is already um, in the decline of his career. Uh, even his his move, uh, talking about moving up to heavyweight, I think is a bit of a mistake as we've seen his chin get tested even at light heavyweight against some of these guys. And to test it against guys like Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic, which is the two big matchups that everyone is, is talking about for him at heavyweight, uh, we'll see if they give him a kind of gatekeeper guy at heavyweight first to c try and build him up instead of one of those two monsters. But even Israel moving up to fighting him at 205, or he's even Israel's even talked about fighting at his heavyweight. Uh, I, I honestly think Israel beats John Jones at whatever weight. He's a better striker. Um, you don't see John go to the ground as much as early in his career, even though he's showed off some pretty dominant wrestling back then and some interesting throws and that kind of thing that he's kind of seemed to move away from in his game, the riskier strikes and the sweeps and the Greco-Roman throws. And yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know if that's a hot take is a lot of people are kind of on the Israel bandwagon now, but yeah, I'd see Israel beats John Jones. Other MMA news, yeah, we've seen uh, McGregor and Poirier recently go back and forth, talk about a potential charity fight in Dublin as uh, McGregor promotes it, but 
the UFC has come out and said they, they've made them a, an offer to fight in their organization, which seems more likely to me as Dustin Poirier is probably under contract, even with the, the charity fight conversation. I don't know how that would work out if you weren't making anything from the fight. It seems like it would be perfectly okay to have a, a fight for charity under a different banner, and it would kind of look bad on the UFC, in my opinion, not allowing fighters to do that, even though I guess you could say that if they're under contract with the UFC, uh, the UFC is taking some risk with either of them or just Poirier getting injured because he's the only one under contract and it could affect uh, his UFC career if he gets injured in a in a fight in another um, organization or that kind of thing. But it's, it's an interesting matchup as they fought in the past. Uh, Poirier got dominated in the first fight. He even admits, I've heard him on podcast talking about really giving into his emotions and getting irritated by Connor and never being so mad before a fight and re- really regretting um, letting his emotions take over and affecting his performance. So we've seen him grow a lot as a fighter since then. I mean, it must have been at least, it feels like ages ago, I want to say between three and five years between whenever that last fight happened. It was one of McGregor's first UFC fights, I believe his second or third in the UFC. And um, yeah, it's, it'd be... It'd be a good fight, I think, for McGregor, as he's kind of been involved in some controversies outside the outside the ring recently, as always. And Poirier, of course, uh, being a big proponent of his um, charity there, and uh, I see it as a win-win for both guys. And it's hard to pick a matchup with McGregor being so inactive recently. I'd almost lean towards Poirier, as I believe ring rust is a real thing. And I believe just he's lost his focus a bit from where he was at as a champ several years ago. And Poirier's uh, rapidly improved and worked on his striking a lot. And he could very well catch McGregor sleeping in that one. Is that it for the MMA news? I believe so. So we just have a little bit more football to talk about. Um, Plenty of NFL action over the last little bit. Uh, start with the Ravens, my boys. We just came off a nice little loss there, first loss of the season. Now two and one against the defending Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, totally lost the plot, I believe. I only had 97 yards passing. Totally gave up on the run game as soon as we got behind by a little bit. Terrible, terrible play calling from the offensive coordinator. Um, not the best either from the defensive coordinator. Uh, showed that what I've been saying for a while, that we should have addressed our need at wide receiver in the offseason. I believe Hollywood Brown uh, isn't a good wide receiver one option. Sorry to say, even though he's a high round pick, he's good, got good chemistry and some good qualities at receiver. But we need a guy who's tall, jumps, and can win 50-50 balls and is a red zone threat at any given time like uh, Keenan Allen type or Devontae Parker type. Um, who else? You all know, like uh, something like a Calvin Johnson back in the day. We need a top tier wide receiver threat that can get us like 10, 12 plus touchdowns a year. And right now, I really don't see that in our receiving core. I believe our receiving leader last year was our tight ends. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> but we just 
locked up Marlon Humphrey today for $98.75 million, five-year contract today at corner. So our defense has been bolstered for the next few years. I believe Marlon's one of the best corners in the league, so I was happy to see that news. Uh, him and Jimmy Smith and um, who else we got there? Earl Clark at safety. Um, uh, bum, bum, bum. Buddy from the from the Rams last year. Marcus Peters. Yeah, I'm not mad at our defense. I just I need to see a little bit more from our offense. I w- I'd be happy to see us make a couple moves before the trade deadline. And there's been all kinds of activity in my fantasy football news. I was going to talk about that on the pod, but I see we're already running a little uh, long. So I might actually make that a separate pod to talk about some fantasy football because it might be a good little bonus episode because I know I've left you guys hanging for a few weeks. And um, yeah, just be good to run over a couple things with you there about the fantasy football teams. I made some very sus trades early on. I've kind of had to run a couple things back to get some draft picks back and uh, been up and down. I just got my first win of the season last week. Uh, It feels kind of lucky to me in some ways, but uh, at least I'm not uh, all L's so far. I'm one and two in my matchup this week. uh, Statistically wise, I'm, I'm slated to win, but who knows with the the projected numbers, you know, they're never exactly right. There's always uh, one or two guys that dramatically underperform and maybe one or two guys that will overperform and some middle-of-the-pack guys as well. Uh, There's not a lot of name players on my team anyways, I'll say that. But yeah, I think I'll save that for a bonus uh, podcast just talking fantasy football because we are running a little long today as well as some of the other topics uh, I had written down today. I was going to talk about um, True Geordie's kind of side podcast. I don't know if they call it that. It's just a, a separate podcast, really, the entity called The Kickoff, which I've really um, been enjoying talking about soccer or their version of football, really. Real football, I mean, you kick it with your feet. I mean, American football kind of stole that name and hijacked it. And it's uh, just been getting me more into soccer, really, and uh, enjoying the Premier League. So. I didn't think I'd get back into that after I got a bit of a past history, which kind of made me hate soccer a little bit. And I'll talk about that sometime else. But shout out to those guys, the kickoff again. I'm not getting paid to promote that at all or anything. Just I'm really enjoying the content. And uh, yeah, it's getting me more into soccer. So shout out to them. And their other podcasts, of course, True Geordie is, is really great podcast. Some high quality ones over there with Eddie Hearn and uh, Tyson Fury and I uh, enjoyed the one they did with Charlie Carell, a professional poker player. And they don't just interview athletes. They interview a lot of uh, YouTube guys and celebrities and um, people with interesting pasts. I'm back in the gym now, back on the workout grind. Uh, up until recently, I've taken the last few days off as uh, I just moved locations um, briefly uh, back at home visiting my family for a few days. So uh, I don't have the gym in my building right now. I have some equipment, and obviously here in my home gym, but just felt uh, good giving my body a bit of a break as I was kind of beating it up a bit, doing four or five days a week in my apartment's gym. And it felt great to get back in there and start seeing the gains come back. I love that muscle memory, but yeah, I just wanted to shout out that. And I talk a lot more about my fitness and my bodybuilding, my boxing training on 
my Instagram as well. So check that out, King Alex again. Uh, I've been getting back into playing poker a little bit and figuring out that and always looking for tips and tricks about that. And uh, who knows, might enter a real cash game sooner or later. I'd like to do a live one to practice some live raids and feel like how I do um, not online. And uh, sometimes the online, especially the free games, people play a little fast and loose. And I've heard it's not the best way of learning as it's um, more luck based and people play totally differently with money as they would in a free game. But it's a good way of at least learning the basics, which is where I'm at right now. So anyone that's got poker information, hit me up. <laughs> um, yeah, bump, bump, bump. Looks like I've run down the whole list. So stay tuned for that bonus episode all about fantasy football and uh, the moves and movers and shakers in my league. Uh, appreciate you guys. Um, as always, be kind to each other out there. It's more important than ever now, I believe. Um, just cracking a smile to someone or saying hello or taking that extra five seconds in the checkout to ask uh, the checkout person how their day was and something like that instead of just having the routine, hey, how are you, or how's your day going, you know, just make a little extra effort and, um, yeah, make the world a better place, you know. You don't have to change the entire world, just uh, focus on the six-foot perimeter, perimeter around you and try and make that a little better. So um, subscribe to this podcast if you feel like it. Um, leave a review if you feel like it wherever you can and uh, peace out till next time this has been the Alcast peace